Hello and welcome to Stories from a Scottish Island with me, Joni Keane. Today I'm in the company of Simon Thorburn, the potter. Is that right, Simon? Are you a ceramicist? I am definitely a potter. <laughs> so, uh, what's the difference between a potter and a ceramicist then? <clears throat> um, probably the type of work that the person makes. I make vessels, so I'm a potter. Um, ceramicists or ceramists would probably be making more sculptural things. So right. they, they don't call themselves potters, but I'm definitely a potter. Right. And when did you start? When did you become a potter? Well, at school, I was really lucky to go to a school that had a ceramics department, which was opposite, or as well as the art department. Uh-huh. So you could do exams in art and ceramics. So we were dead lucky. And where was school? Where did that was, sorry, that was in Northumberland, a town called Ashington. Uh-huh. Famous only for Cole and Bobby and Jackie Charlton. <laughs> well, that's quite a good claim to fame. Bobby and Jackie Charlton have been here on Aaron. Aye. Yeah. Well, Jackie's definitely in East Fishing, I know that. Yeah. Well, they came to Corrie on holiday many years ago, I remember that. And uh, one of them did uh, a rescue of boys that were in trouble out in a boat. Really? Yeah. In fact, yeah. my first job was collecting glasses in the working men's social club and that's my claim to fame. <laughs> I collected Jackie Charlton's glasses when he was managing Newcastle and made an arse of it. <laughs> Brilliant. So what kind of uh, place was it that you grew up? So was it an industrial area? Yeah, well, um, all around Ashington's beautiful. It's not far from the coast at all, a couple uh-huh. of miles. But it grew up around coal, so there was... When I was growing up, I was five or six working mines. And then Maggie put paper to that in the 80s. Oh, just, yes. <laughs> just uh, when I was kind of getting ready to leave school. Um, so it's all service industries now. There's a few factories around about. I was getting too romantic about the mines. Uh, I asked and so was kept out of it when the pits closed. But it's coming back now. Is it? So, Northumberland, I know I've, I'm ashamed to say I've never been, but it looks it's absolutely a bit beautiful. Um, Parts of it look absolutely yeah. gorgeous. So. Especially up along that east coast between Newcastle and Edinburgh, really, it's stunning. You've got Arnick and Ambles, uh, yeah. Sea Houses, Bamburgh, kind of holiday towns, but if you go just a wee bit inland, it's gorgeous as well. You know, there's lots of kind of relatively unspoiled or yeah, unspoiled areas. Where would you Just recommend if, if I was going to go and visit? Um, well, I love kind of around, uh, right on the border, there's a place called Yetham. Uh-huh. Which is the end of Pennine Way. And I kind of spent half my childhood there because my grandparents had a cottage. So every week, every weekend and all school holidays we went there, it's just beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. Uh-huh. What made you come to Aaron then? Work. <laughs> and by this time, uh, were, you, were you a potter when you came here? You were already yeah, working yeah, as a potter? So, um, so you, you learned at school, let's go back to... Okay, being... so I stayed on in the sixth form and took A-level art, ceramics and geography. After about three months, I dropped the geography 
and just did art and ceramics because <laughs> that's what I was into. Yeah. And uh, a local part of Kentwood School looking for a, a 16-year-old school weaver. I was just sitting in on a class working away on my own in a free period, which I had lots of because I was only doing art and ceramics. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing at school. Um, in those days, you could get away with that. Yeah. It was good, wasn't it? So I, I didn't waste my free periods all the time. Uh, <laughs> so I would go and work in the in the potty room, even when there was other classes going on, and somebody would come to the school to look for a 16-year-old school leave out of an apprentice potter. And I overheard the teacher explain this to his class, necked off home, got a phone number, and basically left school about three weeks later. I got the job. Brilliant. Um, and what was that when you were 16? Uh, I think it was my 17th birthday when I actually got the job. Right. The day I got the job. And that's all you've done ever since? Yeah, well, I've done other things to get me through the winter. It's hard making a living on iron in the winter time, especially when you're self-employed. So I've done other things. I've done bar work. I've done Auckland footpaths, tree planting in the winter time, which is an absolute joy. Not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine out in all the weather. But no, yeah, I've made poppy since I was at school. Yeah. yeah. Just and to explain to anyone that. that's listening in, Simon is a very busy man and he's carrying on working as he's chatting to me, which I appreciate. So, um, <laughs> well, I can. If, this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> and this is a beautiful workshop that we're in at the moment. It is. And it's as good as you can get, really. I've worked in some cold, horrible calps in my time. But this is just fantastic. This is a five-star shop, isn't it? <laughs> Doesn't get any better than Five-star rent is already enough. But. <laughs> but yeah, you get what you pay for. And you've got a beautiful oh, it's it's retail shop as well next door. Yeah. Which is all beautifully set up. And there'll be more, you know, people will be able to see that on, on the website. But uh, so going back to your first job, so what did that involve? I so uh, started working with Hilary McMaster in a wee town called Bedlington, just a couple of miles from where I lived on a YTS uh-huh. youth training scheme. Oh yeah, twenty six pound a week. Uh-huh. Oh, I got travel expenses, which I used to buy a push bike at the catalogue, so I kept the travel expenses and cycled to work. Good for um, you. Yeah, so that was. Went at the deep end, straight onto the wheel. And, yeah, I was maybe doing 10, 20 hours a week on the wheel, learning to throw and doing all the other stuff, mixing glazes and the shaky jobs, like clay reclaim and all the rest of it, all kind of apprentice-type stuff. But about three months after I started working there, my boss said that they were relocating to Aaron. But I don't know whether it was just because I was a bit young and daft. I didn't appreciate that she was meaning, you can come as well. <laughs> So I started making plans to go back to school to finish my... Because I'd only done one year of my... Or less than a year of my, my A-level course. Uh-huh. And then literally weeks before the pottery located here, she said, have you decided if you're coming or not? And I was just like, what? Went home and packed my bags, pretty much. Because I knew what Aaron was like. Did you? Yeah, I come... My grandparents brought me as a kid. Three or oh, four right, times. so you so uh, Oh, that was I good. I knew Aaron already. It was complete... Uh, Serendipity. Yes. Uh-huh. Luck. Absolutely. Luck. Yeah. Almost like you were meant to come here. So I, that was about 1985. I, January 85, and we moved to the Craw, north end of the island. 
So that was craw pottery? It used to be, it was a pottery before we got there. You would never believe it. It was just a complete cult when we turned up. Right. Where was that? Was that up at um, Thunderguy or somewhere? It's before you get to Thunderguy. Basically, if you're in Capco Bay Beer Garden, you walk towards Pernmill, you can see it. It's about 300 metres up. Right. No, foot, sorry, 300 foot up. Right. On the, right on the hill there with a single track road up. A bit different to Ashton. It's not there now, it's not... Yeah, it is. It's all oh, there. There's a, a family that live there now called the Gillisons. And they've completely done it up, rebuilt all the broken down cottages and it's ah, amazing. Really good. Lovely. Um, so that was in 1985 and how long did you work for them? Um, well, we were up at Crawford about five years and then we moved to Thundergay after that, which is a bit closer to sea level. And so 13 years in total. It was about 96, I think I left. Right. And they were iron pottery. That's what they were called. And then that was when you started on your own? Was uh, it in the 90s? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Straight after that, I. And that was round at Bomeco? Yeah, I set up at Bomeco. Yeah. Was it a centre there? Because that was when I first saw your work. Yeah. I think that must have been when you were there. I, I saw the stuff you were doing, I loved it. Yeah. Straight away, it was beautiful. Well, I've, I've been. Laterally, I was on the wheel all the time, that was my job. Other mm. people did everything else, so. I was pretty much 30, 35 hours a week on the wheel. It was mind-numbing. I mean, I was a glorified, a human lathe, really. But it stood me in good stead, you know. I mean, I can pretty much make anything I like now, and that's uh-huh. exactly what I did. Yeah. And I set up on my own. So I good just, training played, for you. I basically played for the first couple of years. And then that would be a good apprenticeship anyway, everything I, I learned. Apprenticeship uh-huh. yeah. So what was next for you then? You, you were there, you just... That that had a shop and the workshop as well. Aye, it, yeah. it was. I mean, it was almost as good as this. It was too big for me, so it was always manky. I just left everything lying at my backside. <laughs> but um, it was good, so I could do everything there. I could make the work, and I started doing uh, had sales for people to come in, which I still do, to decorate their own pots. So I just threw and fired blank pottery, and people could come in and paint paint it themselves. And that, that's really taken off for you. That's, that's a great, great thing. That's a uh-huh. great thing in the, uh, in the summer, yeah. in the school holidays. Although there are more adults doing it now. Didn't used to get, uh, hardly get any adults doing it uh-huh. uh, at first, but now there's been party programmes on the television. People think it's a bit kind of cooler to yeah. do it now and not so childish. So yeah, that's, that's a good side of my business. Because I can relate to what you're doing here because not even like half a mile from here where Hugh Purdy had his pottery yeah. when I was I've got one of Hugh's pieces somewhere. have you yeah. well he was a great friend of my dad so right. uh, we were invited in to throw pots as children uh, well I've heard loads of people saying that yeah that have and great time such a lovely man uh-huh. not, not so good with adults <laughs> <laughs> If he was trying to work anyway. Well, no, he didn't suffer fools, Aye. shall we say. Yes, I've he, heard uh, that he had his favourites. And I wasn't aware of this because I only saw him with my dad, who he had a great rapport with. Yeah. Hugh's other job was um, at night, he worked in the telephone I've exchange. Heard that too. And I would uh, go down, and it was, I sound really ancient because I would have to press button A, <laughs> and I would say to the telephone exchange in Brodick, Can I have City 7387? which was Boots Dispensary in Glasgow, where my dad worked on night shift. And he'd say, this lovely voice that Hugh Purdy had, 
Is that you, Joni? Do you want to talk to your dad? And he put, right, I'll put you through. Don't bother putting any money in. <laughs> he put me through. Then he would have a big conversation with my dad. Yeah. And uh, then eventually I would get to talk to my dad. But, uh, no, he was such a character. He was lovely, and I loved his stuff. We'll just talk about the paint your own pot thing. I've got a customer here that's looking... Oh, yeah, we've got a young, we've a young lady here who might be looking to paint a pot. Is that right? Is that what you would like to do? Do you mind if we record your voice while we do it? <laughs> she might talk. She might talk to us. What's your name? Haley. Haley. You've got a beautiful nice pink. Nice to meet you, Haley. I'm Simon. Haley. Have you decided what you'd like to paint? Yes. What would you like to paint? A plate. A small plate or a red plate? Right, Haley, this is Margaret. Oh, oh, she Oh. Don't worry about the jacket coming off, we'll just do it straight. So are you just are you about to throw These are some small vases that are through yesterday, so they've dried nicely. Now they need to be trimmed. Ah. Most of my work have foot rings in. Just, What's that? Well it's kind of recessed gallery that it just lifts the pot up. Especially on the bowls. Ah, I didn't talk about that. Oh, good. Well, what's, can you tell us what the latest time is and then you can come back Friday. and collect it in? Friday. Well, we can Friday morning. Yeah, do Friday, so we'll call it Thursday. We'll fire on Wednesday. So, yeah, what a lovely thing to do for the kids. It is kids. What's the youngest that you have doing it? Uh, nine days old is the youngest one. <laughs> <laughs> I was terrified because we, we put footprints on Oh, yeah. On plates. Um, and can you make, like, the wee shoot their first shoes and things like that? Uh, but it's basically just to paint the feet and press, ah, press right. onto uh-huh. the plate yeah. so it leaves an impression uh-huh. um, so yes we'll do that or most people just paint a design or, or decorate the piece and then we blaze them and fire them and then come back and collect a nice shiny works of art <laughs> Good. So you were at the one in um, Bomico for how long? How long were you there? Was that 96? Did you say so, you went? Um, quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm a potter. I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then you went to, where was after that? All right, so after Bomico, I built a, a workshop at home. And then I rented a place up at the old buyer in Macri, which is a wee visitor centre. And it, it was amazing up there. Pots did really well. But the, the paint your own stuff didn't because it's kind of right on the west side of the island, so people have to come back and collect. So that put quite a lot of people off. So that kind of uh, tailed off that side of the business. And that's why I started looking for somewhere more central. Capitalising your business, you need to be in Brodick, I would say, these days. Yeah, so well, it's certainly an advantage. It's yeah. the busiest place on the island and it's accessible for everybody. Everybody passes here at least twice over yeah. the years. So, so if you just yeah, explain where we are at the moment. We are at a place called Home Farm in Brodick. My direct neighbours are Aaron Aromatics which is probably the biggest company on the island. So yeah. we have a... Attraction next door. So next. that brings a lot of people. That here, is yeah. I, one of the main reasons why I came here. Yeah, it is the, it's the busiest centre on on the island. Uh huh. And there's good parking here. The, yeah, there's no two, problem. One good sized car park 
directly in front of the pottery and an overspill as well. So yeah, it's never quiet, uh-huh. even on miserable days like today. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a cheese shop here. Yeah. And a cheese shop that sells really good cheese. I recommend the Arnold Blue, it's amazing. Oh, the Arnold Blue is gorgeous. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. In the covered area where I work, we've got a lovely coffee shop, Jenny's Coffee Shop. And if she was here, she would tell you it's the best on the island, and I wouldn't argue with her. She's got lovely homemade cakes. Oh, the cakes are yeah, amazing. Yeah. So I got all the broken ones. In fact, I took a carrier bag of scones home on the last night. <laughs> never getting through them. <laughs> yeah, and the hairdresser's here as well. If yeah. you need <laughs> painted a pot. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good wee thriving yeah, it's community. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's got a real good atmosphere. You all got on well. We do. Yeah. But Aaron in general has got that kind of community, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I individual villagers do a lot to kind of promote themselves, and there's all these things going on. You should never be bored here, that's for sure. If, no. Especially if you're a joiner and you're join <laughs> things, there's loads of stuff to do. Oh, I see what you mean, a joiner in her. Ah, a joiner in her, not, not a chippy. Not a chippy, because there's 60 of them. There's plenty of joiners. Go and call if you want to be a joiner. We need some plumbers. Is there any plumbers listening in that could come? Because they're very thin in the ground. They're like hen's teeth, aren't they? So, yeah. So this place, uh, you've had this for, what, a year now? It, I just good? started just, just before Easter, not even a year yet. Not even a year So it's been full on, just trying to keep up. I've uh-huh. had help. I've got Margaret here today, she's working yeah. next door. So that I basically I can spend more time on the wheel producing. Yeah. And Margaret basically does everything else. So do you try and do like all your... Um, do you try and do everything like nine to five? Do you get all your work done while the place is open? And Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I first started here... I was working seven days a week and all the hours, but I've done my fair share of that yeah. seven days a week stuff. And that's another one of the reasons why I came here. It was I knew I'd be able to afford to have more time off, you know. I didn't climb Goat Fell until about three years ago. Because you just Cause, been so busy. Because you're, you're working away in the summer, uh-huh. and then in the winter times you get a nice day up and think of better things to do than go up Goat Fell. It's not cold. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, hopefully I get to spend a, a wee bit more time not working, but I, I'm, I'm not moaning at all. I love my job. You really do I'm love really it. You still love it. Passionately, yeah. Well, your work is absolutely beautiful and people will be able to see that. Um, well, thank you. I do my best. <laughs> No, I really am a huge fan. I have been for years. Yeah, your other um, your other talent, of course, is your your music. You do you getting a chance to do much of that? Um, not a huge amount, no. But I have the last couple of weekends. So I played in a, a band called the News Band, the North End Rankings <laughs> and Simon. Oh, I love so that just shows how old the rest of the band were. That I was included as a Rankly. <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. a great night. Uh, I love the wrinkles. They're yeah. great, aren't they? They're absolutely crazy. But was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a youngster in that band, because what's the average age of the band? Are they about 17? Well, the ones that are still alive, um, <laughs> probably 
world already exists, Claire Marbus, man, actually, he died last year. So oh, that was so sad. But, sad. Yeah. Uh, but he was Graham Ross, he doesn't play with a new band anymore, but he, he would put the, the average up by another few years. But I'd be 70 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at the Stones, they're still going to be there. Exactly. They're not half as good as the new band. No, so you're yeah. actual singing and your guitar stuff, are you doing any solo work? Uh, I have done in the past, but I prefer, I prefer pub sessions, you know, ball and stuff, or even at home, you know, when folk come for dinner or whatever, you yeah. get some books and have a play. So I've not really done any have performing you, no, recently. Have you done any recording? Well, I played with a band called the Angels Shell, actually, work called Itchy Fingers, but the jazz band threatened to take us to court because they were oh. Itchy Fingers, so oh, really? we changed it to oh, the Angels oh. Shell. The Angels Shell is a better name. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I'd like to see it, but I came up with that, but I didn't. <laughs> and uh, so there's recordings of that? Yeah, yeah. We, we made an album at uh, Nicky Ash's, uh, but that was, I don't know, 20 years ago anyway. But right. I've listened to it recently, isn't it? It's not bad. Half decent. Yeah. Better than half decent, I would say. Well, we could maybe put a wee clip on. For oh, people to hear. Yeah, that would be nice. It's funny the amount of people that I know that are artists that are also musical. Yeah. You know, it seems to go together. Yeah, but I mean, I haven't come across folk music much at all before I came here, but pretty common and Catacol and Loch Ranza pubs, which I had already on my doorstep. So, yeah. you know, you have to you know, look after these places and keep them going, you know. So I spent quite a lot of time in both pubs. <laughs> <laughs> And most <laughs> weekends, to do your bit for the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Most weekends I would be music and can't oh. call all of our or both. So I just I fell in love with the folk stuff. Started to learn the guitar. But the singing was my thing, I just loved the singing. And have you always sang? Yeah, my granny used to have parties, bring these pals home from you get me to sing and would throw money at me so that But I know I always loved singing. Eyes closed, heat back stuff, and beat it. <laughs> were either of your parents um, uh, creative, or you know, did they do any yeah, artistic well, stuff? M- my dad was a drummer in the band. Um, my mum, she still knits and crochets amazing stuff. She's actually started doing kind of sculptural things. Interesting. Uh, crochet. Have you heard of yarn bombing? No. It's kind of people go around and find a bench or something in the park and knit, knit a bench cosy and. <laughs> She's not got that far yet, but that really? looks like that oh. maybe a bit And is she still down in Northumberland? She's in Northumberland, yeah. yeah. So, life on Aaron for you, you just... Uh, oh, as a teenager it was amazing. It's not very many straight people on Aaron, as in the usual mowing the lawn on Sunday morning <laughs> and washing the car and all that. So no, they don't that really blew yeah. Especially uh, <coughs> on the north end of the island, some great characters, and I just loved that. So, yeah. Yeah, the 80s and early 90s are a bit of a blur, really. <laughs> but you had a lot of fun. I had a great time, I. And the whole kind of community here is good, isn't it? There's a great sense of community. Absolutely. All the stuff on in the hall in Lochranza, kind of young folk getting involved as well. You know, yeah. sometimes kind of committees because. They do take up a lot of time and kind of get taken over by kind of older folk who've got a lot of time on their hands, but it doesn't seem to be like that in Loch Ranza. Aye, just inclusive, you know? Yeah, so what's your kind of footfall here? Many people oh, are you getting on an average day, do you know? I, c- I couldn't tell you. You'd be better off, off asking Gordon Kennebrick, you know, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I will be talking to Gordon soon, so I'll, he'll probably know all these things. The shop's getting quite busy now, isn't it? You're listening to Stories from a Scottish Island with Joni Keane. If you're listening on iTunes, it would be lovely if you would consider subscribing. Regardless of where you're listening to this podcast from, come over to www.storiesfromascottishisland where there is a lot more material that is relevant to this and my other podcasts. I was just going to ask you, Simon, about when you first started on your own and you kind of developed your own style. Was that when you went to Balmickle Centre? Yeah, so when I moved to Balmickle and set up on my own, I had to develop my own style and have a range that was personal to me. The majority of my work is kind of decorative stoneware, but I like to keep it simple. I'm really interested in um, Japanese and Korean potteries. Most of my glazes, all of my glazes really are fairly traditional. High-fired, which means you get really nice, deep, earthy colours and they're really durable as well. And I fire to between 1270 and 1280 centigrade. So it's good, durable, oven the table. When I started at Bal I started looking into and experimenting with raku pottery. And raku is uh, a, a Japanese process. With earthenware and stoneware, it's a long, long fire, two long firing processes. So the first firing is called the bisque firing, and that's just to make the pot durable so it's easy to handle when you're decorating it and glazing it. Mm-hmm. So the first firing, the pots will be in the kiln for 20 hours, good 8 hours to heat up, 10 hours to heat up, and then you need to leave it to cool for at least half a day anyway before you unpack it. And the second firing is much higher but quicker, but again the pots are in the kiln for a day. The difference, the huge difference with Raku is you put the pot straight into the red hot kiln and then take it out once the glaze is matured or once you've heated, depending on what treatment you're going to give it. So you take it from the kiln and then treat it in some way. Usually I'm burying the piece in sawdust or flaming it with newspapers. A recent technique, a fairly recent technique to me is horse, well, it's known as horsehair raku. It's not strictly raku. So it's a, a burnished pot. Spend a lot of time getting a good sheen on the pot and draw it from the kiln when it's red hot and then lay horse, horse hair on it and it leaves a permanent carbon mark. Because the pot's so hot, about 750 when I take it from the kiln. So as soon as you lay the hair on it, it burns and leaves a carbon ghost, yeah. basically. Uh, I've used all sorts of things, coffee grounds, pistachio nuts, leaves, <laughs> anything kind of organic. Yeah. Better if it's kind of desiccated or dried, that you get better impressions. But if you take the pot from the kiln and sit it in a, a bunch of clover, it'll leave perfect impressions of the clover as well. So They are absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah, so is it very expensive, the electricity bill and all that kind of thing? electricity bill is eye-wateringly expensive. Yeah. But I use gas to fire the, the Raku work. It's a small kiln, so I can get dozens of firing out of a big 47 kilo propane ball. And where is that? Where do you fire them? I've got, it's outside, under the wee porch, what used to be Creela's restaurant. I don't know where I'm going to do it when it reopens as a restaurant next right. year, hopefully. Yeah, you have to do it outside because you, 
they're taking the lid off the kiln when it's a, if I'm if I'm doing glazed raccoon, it's between nine fifty and a thousand, so it's not safe to do it inside because of that, and you get lots of uh, pungent smells when you're yeah. putting feathers or horsehair on the red hot pots. Uh-huh. I have done it inside, but it takes weeks for the smell to go. If if it's too windy, you can't can't deal with feathers and horsehair. <laughs> so I've yeah. done it inside in, in my home workshop a few times, but not very pleasant on the nose. And is it dangerous to... Are you connected? Well, presume you have to be able Not to if you're well-prepped. and uh, As long as you've got everything, you know where everything is, and when it comes to opening the kiln, taking the pots out, you know where everything is. If you're hunting about for things and getting flustered... I did set my trouser leg on fire one time, but oh it's God. not really that dangerous. No. As long as you keep your head away from, from over the kiln. It's a top-loading kiln, so the lid comes off just like a glorified insulated dustbin with a burner on the bottom. It's not really dangerous. So from start to finish, you know, the, could you talk us through the process of, like, right from the start, from the raw clay? OK. I'll, for my raku work, I use uh, a clay which has... Grog in it, and grog is just ground up already fired clay, and that stops the or reduces the thermal expansion. So, when you heat a pot up, it expands, and when it cools, it contracts, and that yeah. puts a lot of pressure on it. So, if I used my normal stoneware clay for the raccoon, it could crack, if not explode, when you take mm. it out. So, that's why we use clays with, with grog in it. So, that's the first thing to wedge up the clay, get all the air out of it get a nice even consistency and then the pot's thrown on the wheel that's the quickest part of the whole process so once you've thrown the pot it'll sit for a day or two until it's firm enough to handle mm-hmm. once you come back onto the wheel to work on it uh, it's called leather hard which these pots are right now mm-hmm. perfect for trimming it's a bit like mature cheddar consistency yeah. it's easy to, to trim easy uh-huh. to cut so uh, I'll just refine the shapes and put foot rings in, and especially bowls. I like nice deep foot rings just to bring the pot up. Then uh, they need to be bone dry before I have the first firing, the best firing. So it can sit, depending on the weather or whether I've had the kilns on, it can be up, um, depending on the size of the pots as well. It can be a couple of weeks after they first worked on the pot before it's ready to go in the kiln. It has its best firing. Uh, from a stoneware, it's glazed and then refired again, but the raku work, as I've just been explaining, is fired outside. I don't have much glazed work, glazed raku work these days. I prefer decorate with the smoke, really, with the carbon. So the horsehair and the, the feather decoration is a good example of that. It's basically turning organic materials into smoke and it decorates the pot. But I do I use another technique called naked raku and that's really difficult to explain <laughs> but I've got a video of it online if you want to see that. Yeah that would be good. Um, yeah we'll do that. So it's a process of masking to stop it. If, if you take a pot from the kiln, a bare pot, and bury it in sawdust when it's hot, it goes jet black, the whole thing goes jet black. Ah. So what I have to do is stop to, to get some decoration on it, stop the whole thing from going black. So I mask areas with glaze, and when the pot's cooled, the glaze comes off and peel it like a giant egg, uh-huh. egg basically. And then the areas where 
was glaze or kind of white with dark crackle through it because the smoke gets through ah. the crazing in the glaze and you can mask off whole areas where there's no glaze as well so that leaves black jet black and yeah. that is quite um, geometric a lot of geometric mm. kind of lines which are that was one of the best lessons I ever learned from my art teacher Mr Calder was kind of uh, natural soft forms work really well with more kind of hardened kind of industrial type forms if you can kind of marry that two together it's really really interesting among the eye that's what I'm trying to achieve with my raku at the minute uh, with the naked raku and have you kept in touch with your teacher in this I never call? did no oh. I would love to have a conversation with my pottery teacher because he couldn't have had many students that went away to become potters but no. I met my PE teacher last year who's <laughs> got a timeshare at Okrani she said she would see if she could try and get in touch with oh, Mr Green my pottery teacher but I've not heard back it yeah. would be good to see them it would be nice because yeah. it's so important isn't it if you get a good teacher yeah. it can inspire well, you well I, I would never have been a potter if we didn't have I know. That department. That's right. Yeah. And you think so many children now don't get the chance? Well, it's yeah. not very many schools do probably now. I know. There's no dedicated uh, ceramics degree in Scotland at all now. Which is such a shame, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's been really, really interesting. I, I don't know if, there, if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about. Not really, no. I've got 50 <laughs> lots to turn and <laughs> Yeah, I know you are a very busy man, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. That was great. Simon Thorburn, thank you. Mm-hmm.